Hey there, this is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. You know, the largest religious group in the United States is Roman Catholic. And the second largest group, religious group in the United States is former Catholic. What a shame, but over the past many years, the church has been losing members and it's been accentuated and heightened maybe during this pandemic of the past year. Well, Bishop Frank has a really thoughtful plan on how to revitalize the church, starting within our own hearts, but really moving out to the community and bringing people back into the heart of the church. And so today on Let Me Be Frank, we'll talk about that plan. So make sure you keep your radio right here on 1350 AM for today's show. Keep it here throughout the week. You can also listen live on your phone using the Veritas Catholic Network app. And I want to tell you, the app is great because you can listen to the live radio broadcast that we have. You can also grab podcasts of our local shows anytime if you missed one or you want to re-listen to one. That's Let Me Be Frank, Restless, The Frontline with Joe and Joe, and The Focus on Veritas. So if you haven't done it already, make sure you download the app. It's available on the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or you can go to VeritasCatholic.com. We are bringing the truth to Connecticut and New York. So when you're tired of being listening to noise on the radio, put on Veritas and be fed. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I'm Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, it's great to be with you, particularly in this episode, because I'm very excited about this episode. We're going to take a different direction, if I could put it that way. I can't wait to see uh, where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because usually we prepare ahead of time, but you don't know. You have no idea where we're going with this. I love it. I have no idea. <laughs> I am in your hands, Excellency. Uh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> well, what I mean is that um, we're now in just about the beginning of June. And we have a summer where, please God, a lot of people will be able to go visit relatives and friends and have some time to rest. And for us to assess what the consequences, the long-term consequences that were created by the pandemic. But when we come back in September at full force, we need to respond with a pastoral vision and plan that will take all the suffering and pain we have endured for all these months, just as one could call it a dying, and make it a rising for the church. Mm -hmm. And we've spoken in the previous podcast about the vision being two parts, that is, the time since I issued my apostolic exhortation, the, the pastoral exhortation, I should say, about the upper room is really the quiet time of personal preparation. But then we got to get going. We have to get going. And what is it we do and what direction we take is of generational importance in my mind. So what's new is... All these ideas that I am going to be sharing with you and our listeners are not yet set in concrete. They are among many of the things that we've been talking about internally, and I've been talking with some of the pastors, about possible initiatives, 
possible strategies to make that renewal a reality. So I want to consider this broadcast to be almost a general consultation from all our listeners. And as you always invite people for feedback, I am specifically asking for feedback Hmm. on the things you and I are going to talk about. Concerns, suggestions, perhaps additions, new ideas. This is the time between now and the end of July is when all of this has to come together so that when we come to the beginning of September, in fact, it'll be the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross, um, will be the day I'm going to issue the second half of the exhortation. And that's the roadmap to get going. Okay. Okay? Yeah. All right. So, so, so allow me just to ask this question. Apart from the personal toll that the, that the pandemic has created, which is enormous, and all of the suffering we have endured on a personal level and a family level, what did the pandemic reveal as the fault lines or the cracks, if I may put it that way, in our ecclesial life that need to be repaired? And you and I have said in the past that it has accelerated what was already there. So this is the opportunity for us to say kind of bluntly, frankly, what is there that needs to be addressed? Okay, so I will offer you three ideas and then Steve, I wanna hear your thoughts as well. All right, the first is, it is clear to me that we have not been effective in giving people opportunities to learn their Catholic faith, Mm -hmm. particularly as adults. In fact, even catechesis, the teaching of the faith for children and middle school and teenagers needs to be reimagined. And we have been doing work all along in trying to reimagine what catechesis look, what is the passing on of the faith look like? In a time when the larger culture, neighborhood, community, society does not pass on the Catholic faith, right? Which is what I had, okay? And in a time when many parents are ambivalent or uncertain, or they themselves do not know the fullness of the faith to be able to pass on. And they're at a quandary about witnessing to the faith. So how do we pass it on? And a few years ago, I was quoted over and over again about blowing up what we were doing because it wasn't being effective. Okay, so it's easy to blow something up. You have to rebuild it now as to what it is. So I think the pandemic has both revealed to many people the desire and need to do that. It's created venues through technology where we could utilize some of that for this purpose. But when we talk about people coming to mass or people returning to active participation in the church, part of the obstacle there is that you need to ask, well, does everyone truly understand, appreciate, stand in awe of what it is that we do at mass, what it is we celebrate at mass? Because if they did, they would, they would come back much more readily. And again, many times there's no fault of theirs. They've never had the opportunity. So that's one. The second is, at least I'm speaking personally, 
in the loneliness of the pandemic. My heart desired something more, more than the ordinary, right? Something that, that lifts it up, that gives it, that allows it to soar, that allows it to, 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 to know and feel the presence of God that's an awesome presence, because he's an awesome God, a God that allows the mind and the heart to be touched in such deep ways. So um, that, in my mind, is all about reclaiming the heart. Because the pandemic pierced the heart, burdened the heart, saddened the heart. Now we have to take those hearts, heal them, and make them joyful. Okay? In however way we need to do that. And that very much is the exercise of prayer and spirituality. It's the work of beauty that we've talked about all along. Okay? And then the last piece of the puzzle is, I think, community. We live in a time when existing communities are not valued as much as communities I make for myself. But we are an existing community, right? That involves people, well, literally involves everyone from the apostles on. So we have said it before, I can be spiritual, but not religious. The pandemic has accelerated that very much. So people will look at our communities of faith and say, why should I necessarily belong to this community? What is it that this community will offer to me? Now, of course, the celebration of the sacraments is essential for our journey of faith. And the receiving of the body and blood and soul and divinity of Jesus Christ is absolutely pivotal because you enter into the mystery of the Paschal death and resurrection of Christ. It is the participation in salvation, right? So, but you need to know that. And when you come, you need to have your heart moved by it. And then you need a community that says, I want you not for just the hour, I want you for the whole week. So it's reclaiming that sense of we're a family. And we just don't eat together but we recreate together, we learn together, we spend time together, we cry together, we laugh together. You know what I mean. So that's how I kind of see the landscape. What do you think? You, what's your view? What, what, what would you add to that? I, I, think, uh, I think that three-step, um, uh, the three-pronged approach that you just laid out is beautiful and um, feels like complete because... You need the, you need the uh, catechesis, right? The mind. The mind, mm -hmm. okay. So, um, and that, that will help address this whole uh, thing with, you know, the Pew study that came out last year that said, you know, that a majority of Catholics don't even believe that the Eucharist is the true body and blood of Christ. So that's the catechesis that you're talking about. I love that. Um, and then the, the conversion of the heart, the actual encounter with Jesus that's something that for me as a parent, you know, I, uh, uh, my wife and I have worked very hard to catechize our kids, um, in choosing the schools they go to and doing it at home, teaching them apologetics. Um, but what we were 
concerned about what we can't give them, what we can't hand them, is that encounter with Jesus, the conversion of the heart. And so we just try to put them in places where they might have that opportunity to have that encounter. Because without that, you're not going to change your life, right, Excellency? Um, And then taking what you've been given, because our faith is given to us um, freely. It's not something that we work for. It's something that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. And then, but we, but we need to share that with others. Go out to all nations, um, you know, make disciples of all nations. I and and the and again, as a parent, the community that you are in, that you build around your family, is so important. So absolutely, I, I love absolutely. the way you're thinking about this, Excellency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, Steve, and therefore, well, thank you for that. I, I think. And I'll be curious, again, our listeners, to reflect on this and send in their thoughts, right? If you were to analyze the situation, what, what, where are the areas we need to begin to focus our attention and energies on as we seek this renewal of the church? Did I describe them the way you see them? If you see them a bit differently, um, if there's other areas, send them in to us, right? That's what I mean about consultation. The truth becomes clear in the working of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of all believers, particularly this sort of discernment. But I'm going to challenge you if you don't mind, okay? Because if we're going to do this renewal, okay, then we have to be able to challenge some of the premises that we were operating out of. And one of them, in my mind, in my heart, is the question of parents and their role in catechesis with their children. Because what you described is wonderful, but you said something I disagree with, that I could not, with the, I could not provide that encounter. But the truth is, you already have. You know, let me, we've mentioned this at other times, the more I think of it, the more convicted I am about it. In the new rite of baptism, the word best of teacher has been replaced by witness. So the parents are the first witnesses of the faith. So what is the difference between being a witness and being a teacher? A witness is someone who bears testimony to what he or she believes. Does not necessarily have to do that in words. And my contention is, as I reflect back on my own experience, okay, I look at particularly my mom. She taught me how to pray. She did not teach me the catechism. She taught me how to pray by the example of her life when she would pray the rosary. We've talked about this, and I would participate even when I fell asleep. She witnessed to her faith when we would go to Mass, and I could see in her face how she was mesmerized, taken up by what was going on. In a way, as a little boy, I had no idea what was going on. I had a vague idea, I suppose, but, right. Uh, she She witnessed to the faith by the integrity of her life, for my mother would never take what was not hers. She would never gossip about anybody else because she herself was the victim of gossip many times, that she was always attempting to be charitable and just, okay? 
I am convinced that in the 21st century, what we need to ask our parents is to do that. So what is that? Is to live a life so that their little children can see what they believe by how they act. To take their little children onto their laps and teach them how to pray. The most beautiful act a parent can do is to teach the sign of the cross to their child. Because that's the catechism of eternal life right there. It's right there. Mommy, why are we do? What does this mean? Let me tell you. To teach and to pray as a family, both in church and at the table. If a parent who may struggle with the faith in so many other ways, who may not under, understand the faith in so many other ways, and we need to help them to understand it, right? So they grow in faith. But nonetheless, what I just described, every parent can do. And you do it with yours. So you're already witnessing to the faith. The encounter with Jesus Christ, my dear friend, is already happened through you with your children, whether you realize it or not. Now, that has to deepen, of course, but the seeds are, are there. And part of what coming out of this pandemic is, I think some parents say, well, I don't know how to do this. And the answer is, yeah, you do. You do know how to witness to the faith. And we're gonna help you how to, to, to do that in very simple ways. Then, as the child begins to sense a transcendent, that there's a God who loves them because my parents love me, ah, then the church can go into action. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, importantly, I think that, uh, you know, we as parents also have to realize we don't have to be perfect. You know, I still lose my temper with my kids and I still... Um, argue, I'm sorry, <laughs> with my wife. Um, but uh, you don't have to be perfect. But you, you, keep, you keep, I guess, the struggle, and when they see you in the struggle and continuing to, to try and fight and get better, that's all part of it too. Absolutely, absolutely. The other thing too is, um, I think we need healing in our families. All of our families. And we are reticent oftentimes to raise issues because it's, it's painful to raise issues. But I was just with Justin Fatika, hard as nails, who was here in the diocese at St. Teresa's in Trumbull. Mm -hmm. And I have known Justin for years, and he's a marvelous man of faith, a great evangelist and preacher of the gospel, and has touched the lives of tens to hundreds of thousands of young people around the country. But it was the first time I actually saw um, Justin give his presentation in person after all these years. And he spoke about many things, but one of the things he invited the young people, all right, is to love their parents and to affirm their parents and to bring the issues that need to be healed to their parents. And he told the story about his son and his relationship with his son, and how Justin was confronted by his son about loneliness, and how that helped him to face his own loneliness. So, so in, 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 in many ways, I think coming out of the pandemic, we all have collateral damage, mm -hmm. right? We're all carrying baggage, 
we can't make believe that baggage is not there. But if we address it, there could be long-standing hurts and grievances in our families that can actually be healed. And as the, as if the family is strong, the church will become strong. So when we talk about the community, my third piece, and oftentimes when we think of community, we think of the parish community, which we need to address. But the primary community is the family. Yeah. And to have the courage to say what's on your heart, what's on your mind. Say it with humility. Say it with respect. Say it with patience. But say it. Yeah. Say it. Right. Right. So that is, okay, so now, if, if, if that landscape makes even a bit of sense, then what are the, the issues we are going to take a look at to try to bring this renewal, right? Plant the seeds for the new garden. Okay. Between now and our break, we have enough time to at least do one. That's the ambassadors. And I think, the first of all, the ambassadors are extraordinarily impressive group of people going through training. And I was thrilled to hear that they're now in the phase two part of training. And in the phase two part of training, they had the option to do either study of the Eucharist or study of reconciliation. The vast majority are doing both because their hearts are on fire. It's just tremendous. For everyone's knowledge, they will go through a phase three training. And the phase three training is much more of practical skills. So I, I'm going to list these topics because everyone listening, myself included, needs to ask well, how do I do this? So for example, there has to be an emphasis on listening. How does one listen to a person you encounter? How do you listen from the heart? How do you foster a dialogue so that you don't necessarily cut off a conversation, but you bring a conversation forward in a constructive way? That's an art that has to be learned. You have to learn how to respond to the things that are being said. Some things can be enormously personal and painful. Some of them can be confrontational. Some of them can be informational. Someone needs to learn, we need to ambassador, but all of us need to learn how to appropriately respond. If someone reveals a deep hurt, what do you do? Then there is what I call the, the, and I've asked Justin to really help us with this, Justin Fatika, is how do, you, how do you respond to suffering? How does one truly grow in empathy? How do you not either cheapen the suffering by just, you know, brushing it off or fall into the temptation of, of just wallowing in the suffering? as if Good Friday was the last day. Mm -hmm. And how do you direct people to the places where they could be helped? And then they need to learn cultural diversity. And diversity in general, whether it's age, gender, culture, or race. Because we see the world slightly differently from the history and culture from which we come from. 
So those practical skills are going to be given to the ambassadors. I wonder to myself whether those practical skills should be given to the whole people of God yeah. in our parishes to help people to learn how to do this because in the end, my ask of everyone is going to be we're all supposed to be ambassadors of the gospel. We call those missionaries. Yeah. So that's part of what they are, what the ambassadors have to do. And as I mentioned in an earlier podcast, what I want is everyone in the church to take one step further in participation. That's our initial goal. We have, we had 24,000 people coming to Mass in March. We will do a Mass count next Sunday. Before the pandemic, there were 68,000 people coming to Mass. I am praying that two years from now, we will have 100,000 people coming to Mass. That's the goal. All Catholics, yeah. all who once were with us, that is a huge mountain to climb. We can do this. Yeah. We can do this. But we need to be able to send out those ambassadors and everybody else say, you know what, I am also an ambassador. I could do it in a very ordinary way, but I need to do my outreach to bring people back home, yeah. right, to the table of the Lord. Yeah. Oftentimes, Excellency, don't you feel like sometimes people just need an invitation to come back? So simple. More than that. More than that, if I may. An invitation, come back to church, and I'll come with you. Yeah. Let's go together. Okay? Absolutely. Without a doubt. I told you that story last year about my father going to Mass after all those years and embarrassing us because he didn't even realize Latin was gone. <laughs> but you know what? The truth is, as, as much as I was cringing in that pew, right? But then I thought to myself, long, long after, my dad would not have been there if my mom and I had not gone with him. Yeah. And then he kept going to Mass every Sunday after that. So you're absolutely right. It's to make an invitation to someone and hear their concerns and walk with them back to church and be with them in church. Yep. And then perhaps after church, go get a cup of coffee together, go to the diner together. If there's hospitality in the parishes again, stay. Because that's that third piece. It's building the community, right? That you do together. Yes. Mm -hmm. Excellency, hold that thought. We're gonna, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll continue this conversation when we come back. This is Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network. Be right back. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank featuring Bishop Frank Caggiano. We're talking about rebuilding the church and our Catholic communities. And um, we've been talking about the ambassador program, Excellency. Did you want to pick up from there? Yeah, just to, 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 to relate that there is a need for us to reach out specifically to groups of individuals 
who are essentially important to engage. Top of the list are young adults. Notice, I didn't say youth. Mm-hmm. I said young adults. There's a difference. I'm talking about young people in their 20s and 30s. Young people who are going to plan, you know, perhaps to marry, to start families, to set a vocation, to set a career. They have always had minimal attention in the life of the church. There was almost this complacency that said, well, you know, they, they go off, but when they have children, they come, when they get married, they come back. It's almost as if you give them license to say, okay, go do what you want to do, and then eventually we'll be waiting when you come back. No, that's right. not good enough, right. right? It's not good enough. Right. Because think of the energy, the education, the, 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 the drive that young people have, and they should not be left to find their way alone. The question is, because of everything I described, because of you know their suspicion of communities that don't seem to respond to their needs, at times the failure of leadership and the lack of trust in leadership, it's really hard to say, well, despite all those things, still come, come be part of us. Yeah. So we need to create specific bridges to engage young people in the interests they have to create this bridge to come into the larger life of the, of the, of the church. And two in particular. So, in global terms, ecology and ecological stewardship and racial healing and racial justice are two areas that we here in the diocese need to bring forward as priorities and give them into the hands of competent, committed young adults to say, take the lead and we will follow with you. We'll accompany you on this. But rather than say, I'm gonna give you two seats on this board, what I'd much rather say is, we have this issue, help us to solve it in an appropriate way. And we've begun conversations in both. This, in my mind, is extraordinarily exciting to be able to say to young adults, we want you to exercise leadership in the church in meaningful ways. Mm -hmm. The other is, there are other particular areas of their lives that I want to engage. So their desire to be successful professionally is one. Their desire for beauty, that is, to be attached, to feel connected, is another. And to be able to learn the truth and learn it in a sophisticated and integral and comprehensive way on their level, on their level of education, and really engage them, those three bridges we have three particular initiatives we're going to launch in the fall. The Entrepreneur Center, which is basically a network online. We've talked about it. So that I can give specific issues to specific young people and ask them with the proper mentoring to make a difference and to see if we could move the ball further down the road, down the field, to see if we could get a solution. And my appeal to everyone listening here is this, we will be in need for Catholic mentors. 
of young graduate students. Mentors who have been successful in the works of finance, business, strategic planning, marketing, banking, whatever it may be, but also are individuals who are in love with their faith and can be good role models. I need to raise an army of mentors so I can raise an army of young people where I can ask this mentor to walk with these one or two young people and teach them how to be successful in their field. Teach them how they could apply the Catholic faith to their field and, and just walk with them as human beings, right? And by the witness, remember the parent, by their witness, you will begin to form these young people and open their minds to the beauty of the Catholic faith. Social, the social teachings of the church we've talked about, they don't have any idea many times how expansive and comprehensive it and, and logical it is. So there is a specific need, and I'm making the specific ask right now, that if there are those who are, let me know who you are, because I will need your help. And in the question of beauty, there's gonna be a gauntlet challenge across the board, right? Is that in every time we gather together to pray, that experience has to be a reverent, beautiful experience. It has to touch the heart. I have to tell you, this may sound very strange for me to say, but when a person comes to me after Mass and says, Mass brought me to tears, I say, thank you, Jesus. In my own mind, thank you, Jesus. Because the heart was touched. And I don't want to bring people to tears, but those tears are not sorrow. Those tears are joy. Those tears are ecstasy. Those tears are the, the, the spontaneous movement of the person to say, wow, this, wow, <laughs> wow, I see, I can see it with the, the eyes of my heart, I can, I can feel it. Right? That should be our experience when we come to Sunday Mass. Yes. Right? That's the gauntlet that I'm laying, we're laying down for our pastors, our priests, our deacons, our lay leaders who are involved in liturgy and worship, that is what God's people need coming out of the pandemic. Beauty, silence, reverence, a transcendent sense when we come together to pray, that we're not talking to each other, we're talking to God. Does that make sense? I, I love that. And it, uh, it doesn't matter, how do I put this? So I as, I, as you know, Excellency, my personal love is the traditional Latin mass. I love that. And, and I feel like you can definitely get that beauty and that reverence in that mass, but you can also, I personally saw it done in a Novus Ordo mass with praise and worship music with the guitars so beautifully on the campus of Franciscan university that I was actually brought to tears that day. Right. Exactly. 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 Beauty is a multi-faced reality. Mm -hmm. Beauty you encounter in so many different ways. You know, I, I remember being moved by the sunrise and sunsets in Huntington at the seminary, right? Over Long Island Sound. Um, 
I, and that's not of our making. And yet the things that are of our making, like you say, I was moved to tears at Youth 2000 Eucharistic Adoration Vigils where there was quiet guitar music and young people literally sitting in the presence of the Lord through the night. I've, I've been moved to tears in the beauty of the, re, the regal beauty of the papal liturgies, particularly Pope John Paul. There was a transcendence there. You sit at St. Peter's and there's people of every race and language there and we're all singing God's praises and it's, it was just beautiful. And I've been to the extraordinary form and what is celebrated purposefully, it's beautiful. And to your point, in the Novus Ordo, in our ordinary way of praying the Mass, if there is attention given to detail and preparation, that the music is not just rote, but it is beautifully sung, many times in polyphony, where you may sing or you may just simply participate by listening. When there's the use of silence and there isn't the sense of rushed or rote, it's equally beautiful. Yeah. But coming out of the pandemic, it is the hour for beauty. And we cannot go back to the rote. That time is over. And if we just did that, if you bring someone right, to church, like we talked about, and, it, and they sit there and suddenly they're not just thinking, but they're feeling. Not just thinking, but they are feeling. Mm -hmm. They'll come back. Yes. So it's nothing new, except we have to do something about it. And what does that something about it? All right. So I'm urging everyone to restore their choirs. Right. The parishes need to be able to have music programs that are truly expansive and celebrate all of the Catholic patrimony. I applaud the pastors who have renovated their churches for every single one of them. It's beautiful. I am going to challenge all the pastors to restore the Blessed Sacrament to its rightful place in the church where it is prominent, centered, and where people can come and pay respects to the Lord. Every church should return back to that. So there's going to be this outreach to young adults to give them opportunities to learn about their faith. And one concrete one, which eventually will be offered to everyone in the diocese, is day pilgrimages within our diocese so we can visit different churches and the beautiful churches that they are and learn about their history and learn about their architecture and pray in each of them and then end with the celebratory dinner. Something as simple as that. And then the last piece is in addition to all the things we talk about building community, um, I want to involve our young adults in the work of CRS and in the work of the global need to address the poor, the marginalized, and the sick. Because there's no better way of breaking through the, the myopia we sometimes have in our life but then to look at the expanse of the challenges other people are facing who are no different than us, except they were born in a place other than the United States. And, and bring those issues here 
right? In mind, in prayer, and in our attempts to raise the resources needed to make those, those, those challenges, to meet those challenges in the mind of the church, in the way the church and only the church can do. So yeah. those three specific ways to engage young adults is all designed in the end to get them, right, to accompany them to ever greater participation in the life of the church, ultimately to mass. Yeah. You know, Excellency, with regard to the service, you, young people of every, when, when my generation was, you know, quote, young people, the millennials, even in Gen Z, I see this in my 18-year-old son and his friends, young people want to serve. They want action. They crave service. Um, but they can find service opportunities in many places. So within the church and what you're doing, which I love, is that it's up to us to provide those opportunities uh, and but link them to why we are serving others. You know, right. because Jesus showed us that this is the way we need to link the service right. to the gospel. Right. In the end, the secular way of serving is provider and recipient. The Christian way of serving is brother and sister loving brother and sister. Yes. Profound difference. Yep. And the beauty of the Catholic Church as Kerry said last week so beautifully, we are the largest humanitarian organization ever to exist. But we give what we give because we are all family. And the kids at that CRS serves in Mozambique and Ethiopia and the Congo and the families are our families. They are whether they are intimately our families in the communion of the church, our ecclesial family, and they're our families because they're part of the human family. So that is what I think, please God, could be the bridge. Once they begin to get involved, the bridge to say, and when we come to the altar, all of God's family is here with us. We're all here in yeah. spirit. The living and the dead, we're all here giving this praise and worship to God, which moves my, my hands, my heart, my mind. And I leave Mass um, fed, joyful, renewed. My goodness, that's what we need coming out of the pandemic. Our church attendance will explode. Yes, yep. So, so practically speaking, as the bishop, there's no plan for every parish to do the same thing because every parish is in a different place. But I'm going to ask the pastors with their ambassadors, with their lay leadership, to come up with a plan, a pastoral plan, which we started a few years ago and fell silent. It's time to resurrect it and say, what's our plan for the next two years to make sure that every person who comes in this church is touched? Yeah. What's our plan? Yeah. Mm -hmm. one, one of the other things that I really um, appreciate about what you've been doing, Excellency, and, and have learned from you, frankly, is that young people also, when they're taught the faith, they want to be challenged with the Amen. faith. Amen. Right? Amen. They don't need anything dumbed down. <laughs> Amen. And that's, that's right. So when we talk about engaging young adults, that's another initiative that is being swirled around in our conversation. That is, how do we give the tools of apologetics to our young adults? 
Okay, how do we sit them down and have a truly forthright, deep intellectual conversation of the faith, right? And stretch and challenge them as they will stretch and challenge us. Yes. Okay, because the truth is, the church's teaching, for example, on same-sex attraction is very clear. And you could give it dogmatically to someone, but if someone has a brother or sister right, who is struggling with this, or, or has a relationship with another man or woman, it's a totally different reality. It's a totally different pastoral experience for that right. person. Yeah. And that's where the struggle comes, right? Yeah. But we, need, we have to have confidence to be able to do that. And there are a couple of young people on the Young Adult Diocesan Council who are on fire for apologetics. And we're going to unleash them and create opportunities for young adults to do just that. Yep. Yeah, because the church's teachings, including on same-sex attraction, the church's teachings are born out of love, mm. not mm-hmm. an attempt to restrict our behaviors. They're born out of love, and when they're presented in that loving way, the, the, the courage apostolate does this beautifully. They, they're so loving about how they teach their, that teaching. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, to me, it feels like the attempt by some people in the church over the past several decades, or I don't know, maybe longer, I've only been around for several decades, so, but maybe longer, <laughs> has um, the attempt to, to make the church teachings kind of conform to the greater culture has kind of made people say, you know what, if that's what it is, like, why do I need that? You know, I've right. got the culture already. Um, so, right, right, uh, right, and therefore, it's again, it's a bridge to both. Yes, for you want to resist the fortress. We're the redeemed. We're the saved. We're the ones who know what's the truth. Is everybody else fend for yourselves? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So, how are you in the world and not of the world? Yeah, is the perennial question. Yeah, but coming out of the pandemic. So, coming out of the pandemic, we have the ambassadors who will be working with their pastors, okay, to try to bring people one step closer in participation in life. Then we are going to have these outreaches to young adults, whether we talk about apologetics or the question of beauty in prayer or whether it is in service and entrepreneurship, all right? Then there's going to be an outreach to families. Paradisius Dei, Father Peter Towsley will come back. And the whole idea is to train missionary families to go out and serve mission in mission families. There are a number of parishes. That's already underway. That's exciting. There is work underway to do a concerted outreach to our immigrants who have had a terrible time in the pandemic. Right? Because of immigration issues and because of the loss of employment, they are suffering terribly. Yeah. There is going to be a lot of news coming out to try to bring them forward. Um, and, and to give them the needs that they have and to address the needs that they have in a very concrete way. Because again, they're family. Yeah, they're right. family. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I am excited. I'm excited because what I am proposing, particularly when it comes to the celebration of the sacraments and the celebration of mass, the recapturing of beauty, and the recapturing of this, this the, the truth of it, does not demand 
that we create a whole bunch of new initiatives. It demands that we renew the things we are already doing. Yeah. Okay. That's at the centerpiece of our life as Catholic Christians. The other initiatives I spoke of, yeah, we will help, but the diocese will help to create those, and I need help to do that. But right now, the renewal that I'm talking about is really renewing what should already be there and what, please God, will be there, an ever greater energy and focus going forward. Yep. And then people will come home. Yeah. People will come home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the um, strength, strengthening of the head, as you said in the first segment, mm-hmm. The um, conversion of the heart, even mm-hmm. in people who uh, who are regular mass attendant, attenders who try to live faithfully every day, we all still need a daily conversion of heart. Without and then, doubt. and then taking that out to the to the community, it's like um, you've said that uh, the the time that we're living in is is like the um, ancient Rome and the early Christians. And Tertullian said they raised eyebrows because. People looked at them and said, look at how they love each other. Mm-hmm. So this right. is... Right, right, right. And, and, and I'm going to make a prophecy here. Here you go. You ready? Okay. I will not see this in my life, I don't think. Maybe the glimpse, maybe. The Lord is good and merciful after all. But those who come after me will. I think coming out of the pandemic, one of the greatest blessings we will have is as we renew the foundation of the church, the secular world will realize what it has lost. And I think we will be amazed at the response that we will see. The human heart is built in a certain way. You could try to make it into whatever you think it is, but it is made in a certain way. And people, when they see the real deal, they will respond. Yeah. And we have spent an awful lot of time as a church dealing with crises that sin, in fact, created. We've done with a lot of administrative, I myself. But now, from all that we have done, the lessons we have learned, the humility that should be now part of just the air we breathe, coming out of this terrible time of suffering, now is time. It's time. It's time. Mm -hmm. We need to sow, as Paul wrote, one man sows, another man reaps. Right, Excellency? Mm -hmm. I, I hope there are more bishops around the country and around the world who are, who are taking this sort of initiative and really being thoughtful about how to come out of this as you are and really grateful for what you're doing. Well, thank you, Steve. Thank you. I look forward. So now again, everyone who's listening, I, I need you to think about what I've said and what Steve has shared. I want you to reflect on it and I want you to react to it. What's missing in this? What could be added to this? What is on your heart coming out of the pandemic? Or another way to ask this would be, if you were the Bishop of Bridgeport, where would you begin in the renewal? Concretely, presuming everyone is growing in their personal way, concretely, where would you begin? What would you do? 
to move forward. And I would welcome any and all thoughts on this. Because I have the whole summer to kind of like put it all together and see where we go from there. Yeah, great. So respond. If you're listening and you feel the tug in your heart, respond. Um, We'll take one more break now, Excellency, and uh, come back with a listener question. Uh, You're listening to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network. We'll be right back. Why do we need Catholic radio? Because not everybody is sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? How about while at work at your desk? Catholic radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question and answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning. All right, and welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. We have come to the part of the show, Excellency, where we uh, read a listener question. And this one is a little bit different from the ones that we've been getting. I love it, though. All right, so here it is. It says, I love hearing Bishop Frank's stories. I wonder if he still has family in Italy. If so, where? And does he still see them? Ooh, that's a great question. Okay, the answer is yes, I do have a significant part of my family who lives in Italy. They live um, in the, well, one cousin lives in Rome. All the rest live in the, they still live in the village my parents grew up in. And the village is named Caggiano. My last name. It sits on top of a mountain. Not really a mountain. It's like a gigantic hill, I suppose. Um, in the south of Salerno, in the region of Campania. So I have uh, one uncle, and I have uh, my aunt, his wife by marriage, and my other aunt, um, who, my uncle, who was my mother's brother. They were both my mother's brothers. One, one passed away a few years ago. And then I have my cousins who now have children, and their children are starting to marry, which is amazing. So I do. Now, have I seen them? The answer is no, I have not. I have not seen them since my mother died, which is 10 years ago. Um, Part of that is the busyness of my schedule. Part of it was we used to go back often because my mother wanted to go back. Without my mother, see, that's part of the loss of my mom. It's she was kind of like the glue that held everything together and was the bridge. Yeah. See, she was the bridge from my experience to my aunts and uncles' experience, who are basically live in a village. And so I should have gone to visit. So this is a mea culpa here. And please, God, I can go back, but um, I've not been back for a while. Yeah. It, is, the, is the village there, is it, is it still pretty... Um rustic or is it oh yes it, okay oh yes now it's it's it they have modern conveniences okay right but the houses are ancient oh my gosh and a simpler ancient. way of life yeah oh yeah. i love that what i doubt i i have i have in my mind excellency the only thing that i can relate this to is the the village of corleone in Sicily, from the oh, Godfather. Oh, too much surprised. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, not much different, I suppose. But let me tell you, good, clean living, can't beat it. I'm sure. Can't beat it. I'm but, sure. But, 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 one last thing before we go. What is is um, a tremendous challenge in those villages is all the young people are gone. Hmm. Essentially, they're all gone. 
are there going to the cities for opportunity? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And nightlife and excitement and everything, the secular world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in 20, 30 years, I'm not sure who's going to be there. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I like this question because, you know, people write in all the time with spiritual stuff and uh, just Absolutely. different. I yeah. love telling stories. We should have an episode just telling stories. I could tell you stories till the cows come home. <laughs> <laughs> If you have a question for Bishop Frank, and it could be about anything, send it in on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and so is Veritas Catholic Network. Excellency, would you please give us your blessing? Absolutely. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he grant you the gift of his joy and peace. And may he bless you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Steve, enjoy. Amen. Thanks. Enjoy, my friend. I look Thanks, forward us. to next time. Okay. Sounds good. All the best.